you, thank you, Scott. And I would, uh, I would like to take a second even. I know Pastor Stevens already thanked those who have served at VBS, but I would just like to thank you as well. Um, in front of the church, we had uh, over 160 kids registered, and each day we probably averaged about 140 each day. And so it required the church, not just a select few, but it required the church stepping up to, um, to pull off VBS and to make it happen to do it well. And we had over, I counted the list or the names, we had over 71 of you in some shape or form help out with VBS, whether that was setting up throughout the whole week or breaking down. And so that's the church. And so thank you, church, for rising up to love these kids, to point them to Christ, because it was a blessing to the kids and the families. It was also a great blessing to me to see you all do that. So thank you. Um, so pray with me now as we look at God's Word. Father, I thank you for uh, your goodness, for your kindness to us, your mercy to us. I thank you for, for all the VBSs that we have heard about already today. Thank you that your word has gone out, and I have no doubts that years to come we will see the fruit uh, coming about in the lives of children, and perhaps even parents coming to faith because of the truth their children have heard at Vacation Bible School. And so would you do a great work as your word has gone out and, and reap a harvest among those who have heard the truth of Christ? We thank you now as we come to your word, and I ask that, that you would do a good work in us, that it would be taken and applied to our hearts, that we would receive it as from you, and you would do that good work in us, giving us ears to hear and eyes to see your truth, that it would change us, conform us into the image of Christ. And it's in his name I pray, amen. Well, we will be continuing the series of Proverbs today. It's actually the second to last week, and we're going to look at parenting today. And as we do, when I read some scripture, it may be easiest for you to follow along on the screen um, as we're going to look through a number of selected passages. We're not going to read through uh, one passage or chapter like we've done um, in the past, and so it may be easiest to do that, follow along with us. And and even as we think about children and parenting, I, I think there perhaps may not be, be anything, any greater reality that strikes fear into the heart of people than when we think about welcoming children into the world. But perhaps it doesn't, there's nothing else maybe that brings greater joy than thinking about the joys of raising kids as well. And so there's this, this tension of I'm going to the hospital to have a baby and, or my wife's having a baby and, and this kind of fear and awe comes over you as you think about the Lord's entrusting to my care a child. But then as you're going through life, you see them grow and mature and learn and there maybe are not many things greater 
than the joy we see we receive as we see our children grow and follow Christ. And and even I think one just example of of some of the difficulties is moms probably identify with us, especially when you're you're driving to the grocery store, maybe you're even praying, Lord, please help this to go okay. And they make it so easy for you because they put uh, parking for children signs right up there. If you go to Harris Teeter, you'll see that, you know, parking for parents. So it's like, we want you here. Bring your kids here. We want to make it easy for you to get here. And then the little snacks they have, are, they're also enticing. But it, it, in so many ways, it's, it's just, it's deceiving, I think. Because what happens? I don't think anything ever good happens taking kids to the grocery store. You wonder, all right, can I do this with one? Maybe. Can I do this with two? Probably not. But three or more, it's just there's a time bomb waiting to go off. And you think you get to the end as you've got your groceries in the grocery cart and you get to the aisle or the, to the to lane to check out. And on the right-hand side, there's so many things that are placed strategically at eye level for kids to just grab. We call this candy bars and gum. And on the left-hand side are these images you don't really want your kids to see with the magazines and the, the Esquire or the, the Us Weekly or whatever it is. And so you're trying to, to shield your kids from the, 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 the magazines, but you're also trying to slap the hands as they grab for candy bars. And finally, you take a sigh of relief when you're out. And I think that's just one small example of some of the difficulties and, and I know I'm making light of it, but sometimes it can cause stress in life. It doesn't make parenting any easier. I know that. And so I think there's a, a phrase that I've heard, perhaps some of you have heard it, that the days are so long, but the years are so short. Right? In the middle of it, it's so difficult. But when we look back, We've got a son or a daughter who's graduating high school or college, and we think this just flew by. And so it's true. The everyday reality is difficult, but we must keep the end in sight. And so today, hopefully, uh, we can have a 30,000-foot view of parenting. I'm not going to have a lot of time to get into the, the super... Uh, helpful details maybe as far as nighttime routines or anything like that that some of you may be hoping there's some sort of wisdom. I'm still learning on that. But thankfully, Proverbs gives us a very big picture view of parenting. And so hopefully we can come to it today and we can see that. And even I want to let the cat out of the bag now for kids who are in here. You don't have perfect parents. Right? In case you didn't know already, your parents aren't perfect. And they need Jesus. And you're like, yeah, my dad needs Jesus. But parents, you don't have perfect kids either, and you know that, right? It's not something new. And guess what? Your kids need Jesus too. And so we come to family with parents and kids both needing Jesus, and it can be a very messy situation sometimes. And so hopefully today I can even remind us that both parents and kids are in need of a Savior who offers limitless grace to His children. 
And so would you read along with me now? I'm going to read beginning in Proverbs. Chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. My son, give me your heart and let not your eyes observe my way, and let your eyes observe my ways. And then Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And back to Proverbs. And you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. And so as we go through Proverbs today, I want us to see two main things. And that's the first, that parents are to disciple the heart. And then the second is that children are to grow in the Lord. And so hopefully already from that, you can already see we're, we're talking very big picture here. And so parents, you're to, to disciple the heart by tending to your children's faith. And it's good for us to remember that. In the middle of parenting, when it seems so difficult, your main task, your main objective is to disciple their heart. And one of the ways that we do this is by tending to their faith. And even before thinking about their own faith, perhaps we need to think about our faith first as the first battleground in tending to our children's faith. And so even with that is, is just this question of, of, do I parent for my good? Or do I parent for the good of my children? So I think it's first looking at our, our own faith and, and our own heart and thinking about what is my desire in parenting? Am I generally parenting for my own good, that is my own comfort. I don't want a noisy house or for my day to go well. And so I just hope my children obey so that I don't have to correct and spank and get on to them all the time. Or is it in my own heart that, that I'm desiring their good. And so I'm pouring myself out for my kids' good. And their greatest good is that they would know and follow Christ as I parent them. And even with my own life, do I, do I see that, that throughout the difficult times and the good times that my focus is on Christ? Because there's no doubt our kids see us react and respond to life as well. And so even my own faith is displayed to my kids as I live through life. And then even kind of turning our attentions to, to tending to our children's faith now, I think the, a great question for us to ask has been asked by J.C. Ryle in his book, Duties of Christian Parents to Their Children. He says, of, of all of life, everything that I do as a parent, the question I should ask is, how will this affect their souls? And I think we see that. Right As we read through Proverbs, we see this father who's talking to his son. Parents who are looking after their children by giving them instruction. And every time there's, there's these Proverbs spoken to the child, it's, 
It's for the child's own good. It's for the child's soul. And so even as we think about parenting, are our gazes set on heaven for our children or Harvard for our children? And it can be easy to be distracted. And I'm not even asking if you had to choose, right? If we had the the option thrown out to us and made really clear, choose heaven for your child or choose Harvard. Well, most of us here today, I I think, pretty easy question, I'm going to choose heaven for my child, right? And it's, it's easy when the question is posed to us like that. But in the day-to-day, what's my attention given to when I'm talking to my kids and instructing my kids? What occupies my mind when I think about my children's future? Is it that they're well-behaved or that they get good grades to get the scholarship to get into the great school? Or are my attentions drawn towards, how's my, my child loving Christ? Is my child loving Christ? And so the question isn't, do you ask yourself daily, is, is my child, or am I, my, is my gaze fixed on heaven or, or Harvard, and I'm going to choose, right? It's, it's that daily we have to, to remind ourselves, this is what we pursue, is pointing our children towards Christ, that we might develop in them a faith that is their own. And perhaps even maybe a telling question is what if you asked your own kids that question? What if you asked your own kids and said, in my interaction with you each day, what comes across to you as the most important thing that I talk to you about? Or what is the thing that I talk to you about the most? And so I don't think that we need to have a tally sheet and and beat ourselves up over one check for heaven, one check for Harvard. That's not the point. But is the flavor of your conversation, as you try to teach your kids what it means to grow, do they see my mom and dad, they love Christ, and everything that they do, whether it's them talking to me, or the things that they do, is it based on a faith that's grounded in the Heavenly Father? And Solomon has it right here, right? His desire in Proverbs is not for his son to have great wealth or or more power. In fact, Solomon was wiser and, and more wealthy than anyone else. And he's not desiring for his kid to have more than he ever had. His desire throughout the Proverbs, if we look at those, is that his son would know Christ and follow the Father, right? Listen to Proverbs 22, 17 through 19. It says, Incline your ear and hear the words of my mouth and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them with you. If all of them are ready on your lips, that your trust may be found in the Lord, I have made them known to you today, even to you. And so as a parent... We want to, to tend to our children's faith, and, and we want to be the primary disciplers. And I can't emphasize this so much. Over and over and over in Scripture, it talks about the parents being the primary ones who are pouring into their children, who are spiritually discipling them. 
And I want to caution us. Perhaps some of you would say, uh, well, if my kid were to, to want to play football, right? If my son wants to play football, his dad knows nothing about football. Well, I know a little bit about football, but I don't know any skills to teach him, right? I'm really good at watching football. But as far as leading a practice, teaching him how to block He's at a loss. So I sign him up to be on somebody else's team so that somebody else can coach my son. Because I know nothing about football. But perhaps there's some things in life that no matter how good or bad we think we might be at them, perhaps they're important enough for us to pursue them so that we can train our own children. And I think that's the same thing with following our Savior. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have a Ph.D. You don't have to to have been through two years of training in Bible school to lead your children to know Christ. Follow Jesus. Take your kids along with you. Let your own faith be what schools them and teaches them in following Christ. And so moms and dads, there's nothing that can take the place of you discipling your children. And fathers, I would like to even take just a second to encourage you. Dads, be the primary ones who are leading in this role. Think about the future. Even possibly plan ahead. What's this look like for me to disciple my children as they get older? How can I inspire faith in them or help them pursue Christ. And so also I think another way that we can help our children, uh, that we can disciple their heart is by cultivating godly character. So read with me again from Proverbs. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And so we even see here that someone who is following the Lord and is growing in him, God is producing in him great joy, this peace within, that even their speech is affected by their righteousness, by how God is working in them. And so sometimes, I think even in our own speaking to our kids, we demand obedience. And in some way, that's good. But I think a lot of times, if perhaps you're like me, my instruction and my rebuking of my children tends to be more moralistic than it does to be God-centered in my, my correction. It tends to be more of do this and don't do that. And that's the end of it. There are times for that. There are times that the situation is so urgent, you don't even have time to explain. It's just stop. When the car is going down the street and your child's ball runs down the driveway, stop. You don't have time to explain. But as much as possible, our kids need to hear us giving them instruction, not just because mom and dad said so, but as much as possible, point them to Christ and say, this is why. 
I want you to hear the goodness, right? Even thinking about Solomon's instruction to his son, going even back to two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we looked at temptation. It's son, stay away from this because it will destroy your soul. It will lead you to paths of darkness that will take you farther than you could ever imagine. But then even, even more than, than our, our speaking, I think what happens so more often is that our kids learn from our doing or our modeling. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. If the legacy I leave my kids and my grandkids is nothing more than this, I would be pleased to say that I walked with integrity with my God and my children and my grandchildren are blessed because of that. And so I think, parents, there's nothing greater that you could do than to say, Father, let me walk with integrity with you that my kids may see a father who loves his Savior and that my grandkids, when they come to visit me one day, they can look back, even as I have this morning, at glory be the name. When we sing that, that brings back so many memories of times with my grandmother and my grandfather serving in the nursing home each Sunday I was with them singing songs with the people there. That inspires my faith because I saw my grandparents who loved Jesus day in and day out. There was no greater love that they had than the love for their Savior. And so even parents, let us do that. And not just at certain times, right? Sometimes we as men can can know a child's coming because our, our wife is pregnant. And so we think, this is a really important time. My kids are going to be growing up. i got to get in the church now. And perhaps we think, while my kids are living in the home, it's really important that I'm involved in the church, that they would hopefully love God too. And I would say to that, good, keep coming. But I would also say it's more than just your children's faith that's at stake. It's your own as well. And not just while they're living with you, but even as your kids have kids, they're looking to your faith. So some of you thought this was a sermon just on parenting while kids are in the home, but grandparents, your grandkids are looking at your faith. Teach them, model for them what it means to follow Christ throughout all of life's stages. And so I think another way we can parents disciple the heart of our children is by dis disciplining like the Father, like our Heavenly Father. We don't discipline children for being children, right? Playful, loud, and boisterous laughter, that's good. Enjoy it. Because 30 seconds after, there's going to be somebody crying. And so we don't discipline for children for being children. We discipline disobedience. We don't discipline over spilled milk and broken tools. 
we discipline rebelliousness, inappropriate anger, and selfishness. Listen to Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Explain how... Oh, I'm not supposed to read that part to you guys. Sorry. So folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And this rod of discipline, it drives it far from this child. And so sin is not something that's just simply outgrown. And so for us to look at a child's disobedience and laugh, perhaps when you tell them to share a toy when a friend's over and they look at you and say, no. It may be cute the first few times, but it's really, it's really rebellion in the heart. And so let us take sin seriously, not just when it's a 16-year-old staying out too late, but even when it's young, even in its infancy, let us see sin as rebellion against our great God. Because sin and and selfishness and rebellion against authority in in infancy is, is weeded out and spoken to much easier than when you've been dealing with someone who's 21 or 45 and they've had a lifetime of dealing with selfishness and rebelliousness against authority. And so even I think we, we see that this discipline is, is necessary because sin's not outgrown, but it's, it's even good for our children. It's good for their heart. It's good for their soul. And the point of this one is not that we can just make a child submit or so that we can control them and, and look like things are, are good on the outside, but it's, it's, it's actually good for their heart. It's good for their soul. And so the point of this one is to show your own child that foolishness of their behavior is rebellion against God. And so if, if we push off disciplining, disobedience, we are allowing our kids to run headlong into sin and to hell. Discipline rescues our children from themselves. It helps the child see that they're not the center of their own world, the center of their own lives. They're not the center of the house. And this is good. They need this. They need parents that help them see everything in life in relation to their maker. It's bad for a child to view this world, everything in relation to themselves. And so we as parents, we have a responsibility of helping our kids see everything in light of who God is and how they should respond to him. Listen to Proverbs 23. It says this, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue 
in the fear of the Lord all the day. It is good for our children to be disciplined. Not out of anger, right? Even the, 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 the proverb writer here, it, it's quite funny. If you strike a child with a rod, surely he's not going to die, right? Some of your girls may be really good at putting on a show. You just touch them and they start to wail and weep. Now, you can be excessive, but proper discipline is good for your child's heart. It is good even for their soul. It says in verse 14 there, you will save his soul from Sheol by your loving discipline. And discipline actually is not, uh, it's not hatred. Discipline is actually showing love. It's proof of love. If you even think back to what Steve read in Hebrews 12, right? God is treating you like a child when he disciplines you. Or a lack of discipline shows that you are illegitimate. You're not even the son of God if he is not disciplining you. And... From verse 10, God disciplines us that we might share in his holiness. And so our discipline of our children, if we're disciplining them like the Father is, it's good for them and it's even intended for their holiness. And listen here to verse 11, the last verse that Steve read for us earlier. For the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are being trained by it. So God's discipline looks towards the heart and it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so our discipline should be loving and it should be training their hearts. And so even children here, I know primarily I've been speaking to parents so far, but even children right here, let yourself be trained by your parents, right? You can endure their discipline, but not receive it. You can sit through them talking to you about how your behavior is rebellion against your God, and you can just be thinking, yeah, 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 wah, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Receive it. Be trained by it. This is actually God using your parents to train you. And even my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so a father who delights in his son a mother who delights in her children is going to be a mother who disciplines her children because she sees it's for their good. And so also, parents, we can disciple the heart. And on your sheet it says interested. I want you to cross that out. Since these are printed, I've, I've changed it. So cross out interested and write invested. So disciple the heart by being invested in your children's lives. 
Proverbs 23, 26 says this, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. And so you see this interaction between a father and a son. Give me your heart. Let me know you. Listen to me. I want you to observe my ways. And so you have to develop, God wants us to develop intimate relationships with our children that we might know them deeply. That you might know what makes them tick, what makes them angry, what brings them joy. But then you also see that last phrase, let your eyes observe my ways. Be involved in your children's lives. Just like you want to know them, let them know you. Let them observe your ways. Take them along when you serve other people. When you serve the church, let them know what you do. Be invested in their lives. I think we even see something very similar in Matthew chapter 6 where Christ is teaching and he tells his disciples, don't be anxious, don't worry, right? If our Father in heaven clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, don't you think he can care for you too? He knows his children's heart. Don't be anxious. Trust in him. I hadn't intended on going there, but I'm going to read the last part of Matthew 6 to you. Starting in verse 31. It says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. So don't worry about what's going to happen. And this next part, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Heavenly Father knows your needs. He knows your children's needs way better than you do. So what's the next thing Christ tells them when He says, don't worry, your Heavenly Father knows? He says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So give them Christ. Hold high the kingdom of God and His righteousness that they may pursue Him. And why do you point them there? Because He knows what they need way better than you do. Point them to Jesus. And so I think just like the Father knows our needs, our heart, the things that we worry about, let us as parents also do the same thing for our children. Let us seek their heart, draw out of them their worries that they would know, mom and dad care for me. Mom and dad do more, way more than just provide food on the table and a roof over our head. Mom and dad care about my soul and what worries my soul. And so let's point them to Jesus. And so when we get to know our children, when we get to know their heart, when we disciple their heart, I think we're imaging the Father's love for His own children to them. And so let me encourage you, parents, 
you are to disciple your children's hearts. But then children, you are to grow in the Lord. And you can grow in the Lord by honoring your father and mother. Read with me again Ephesians 6, 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So there's something interesting there, right? This is the first commandment with a promise. It's taking us back to Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. But if you remember the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is not to honor your father and mother. It's the first. So why would Paul here in Ephesians 6 tell these people, the Ephesians, it's the first commandment with a promise? And I think commentator P.T. O'Brien says it well. He says, The prominent position in the Ten Commandments to honor one's parents and the importance given to it elsewhere in the Old Testament show that true obedience to this injunction arises out of and reflects one's relationship to the Lord. And so children, by you honoring your parents, it's a reflection of your submission and your relationship to the Lord. And so let me encourage you to seek the Lord by honoring, by listening to, revering, holding high what your parents say. Even when you don't think they're right, even when you don't think it's a smart decision, you can honor your parents by thinking well of them. And I think this is even something that we are to honor our parents throughout all of our age, as old as we get. Even after we're married, we should honor our parents. We should think well of them. And I think perhaps this might even grow harder sometimes as you get older, especially when you're end of high school and, and, and into college, right? Children, you think that's when you, you get old, is when you go to college. And let me tell you, that's just the beginning of life. You have so much more to learn. You look forward to freedom. And even when you go to college, you have so much more freedom. And you hear and learn so many different things that perhaps you've never heard before. And so you begin to question your parents. You question perhaps things that you've never questioned before. And it can even cause doubt. It can even cause you to not think highly of your parents. And whether you think they're right or wrong, I would submit to you that even if your parents were wrong about some things in your life, God's word says to honor them. And it's for your own good. By honoring your parents, you are learning to grow in the Lord. Proverbs twenty three fourteen says this, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. So even as you honor your parents, they will be glad in you. And I think that hits at the heart of so many kids. They want their parents to love them, to, to rejoice in them. 
And so many times those who excel in their fields greater than anybody else, sometimes it's because they're trying to please and want their parents to think well of them. Let me tell you today, you don't have to be the best CEO of a company. You don't have to be the number one swimmer in the world for your parents to love you. You don't have to be a Hall of Fame quarterback like Brett Favre for your parents to love you, to rejoice in you. Pursue Christ. And children, let your pursuit of Christ be what pleases your parents. And then finally, children can grow in the Lord by obeying their parents. And the family is, is where we learn to submit to authority. Instead of living for yourself, you can even learn to submit to your Father in heaven by submitting to your parents. And so I would say, insofar as you submit to your parents, that is you submitting to the Lord because he's given them to you as a gift to shepherd, to teach you. And if you want to think about it like this, children, your parents can be like guardrails when you go bowling, right? When you're a kid, you put the guardrails up so your ball doesn't go in the gutter either to the left or to the right. And it keeps the ball going, hopefully, on target, towards the pens. And your parents, while they're supporting you and taking care of you, are intended to be guardrails in your life that they might continue to help you towards growing in Christ. We see this in Proverbs 15, verses 32 and 33. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So kids, if you want to actually love yourself and not hate yourself, verse 32 says, whoever ignores instruction despises himself. So by ignoring your parents' instruction, you are then saying, I hate myself. I don't know if you've thought about it like that before. But spurning your parents' instruction is despising yourself. Why? Because your parents, if they're discipling your heart and caring for your heart and pushing you towards Christ, then if that's what they're doing and you're pushing off their instruction, then you're saying, I'm hating what they're doing. I know it's better for me than you do. And so let me encourage you with the end of verse 33. Humility comes before honor. Let you children pursue humility. And I think all of us pursue humility before our Father in heaven. And so I hope that we've seen today that both parents and children, we're both in need of God's grace. We're both in need of a Savior because we are both sinful people living in tight quarters that need God's grace to live together. And there's only one perfect parent and there's only one perfect son. And that's God the Father and Jesus. And so by looking to Christ, he is our great example, right? He's perfect. In no way was he ever found to be in sin. But he's way more than just an example. 
He is also the perfect son who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross to forgive your sins, us imperfect sons, so that the imperfect ones might be made righteous in the sight of God because the perfect one has given his life for us. And so let us, let us all look to the perfect son and be thankful and grateful for his sacrifice, for his love for us. And I know it's easy for us to get bogged down in the mire of the daily parenting or children in the daily submitting to your parents, honoring them and obeying them. And so I would encourage us to to look towards eternity that it might torpedo shallow parenting and that eternity might torpedo the rebellious heart and that it would encourage us to submit to God our Father, to submit to our earthly parents and that parents, we would love our children by discipling their hearts. And so would you pray with me now? Father, I ask that you would use your word to pierce our hearts, that those of us who are parents, that you would help us to remember that you are the heavenly father, you are the perfect good father who has loved us in far greater ways than we could ever imagine. And not only are you a father to us who are parents, but you know and you desire for our children to follow you. And so would you help us as parents to disciple their hearts that they might know you and that they might follow you? And I pray that you would work in the lives of children today, that you would help them to see that that their greatest hope is not getting into a great school to get a great job, to have a great spouse or a big home when they grow up. But that you would even today, that you would be using your word in the hearts of children to help them see their greatest need is you. That they can grow in you and learn to submit to you by honoring and obeying their parents. And so I ask that you would help us to do that today. I also ask that as we are preparing to partake of the Lord's table, that you would help us to remember this is a perpetual memory of Christ's death for us. That it is picturing our bond in our union with you, but also with one another as we're the body of Christ. I ask that you would help us to see that that it's an opportunity for us to love the Savior and to feed spiritually on Christ, who is the bread of life. And we even look forward to his coming again as we partake of it. And it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.